Hello, how are, you? how are you? This is David Phillips, and this is the Word and Story podcast for the week of November, the Sunday, November 4th. And we're looking at the lectionary text from the book of Mark, uh, Mark 12, 28 through 34. And this is a, this is a, passage that has a lot of um, meaning and depth in it uh, simply because of the command of Jesus. Um, and there's part of me that wants to, to preach uh, the great commandment, the great commandment and the, uh, that Jesus gives this, um, uh, this religious teacher, this scribe. And, uh, but I'm going to hold off on that because, well, just because. So let's talk about a little bit about the context of this passage, um, and uh, and kind of look at it, kind of the heart of it, and then and maybe give you a, a means or a, an idea of how to preach this text. So um, just prior to this, Jesus has been in in um, has been talking to the Sadducees, um, and he he silences the the critics of the Sadducee, the critics, his critics, uh, the Sadducees. Um, uh, when they ask a question about resurrection. And um, so it looks like one of the scribes uh, came near out of this, uh, seeing how he answered those Sadducees and decided to ask a question of his own. And that takes um, probably took a little bit of courage uh, on his part, but he probably also, because of the context, they were they were disputing with one another. They were having uh, an internal uh, argument and or, or an internal discussion, and he probably slipped over and just wanted to ask Jesus this question face to face, just to try to uh, get an idea of what Jesus was was talking about. And so he asked, um, "What what commandment is the first of all?" Or of all the commandments, which is the most important? And um, so, you know, the, the, the rabbinic tradition has a, a, a total number of 613 commandments. Uh, of those 613, 248 were positive commands. In other words, do this. 365 were prohibitions. In other words, don't do this. Some were considered to be lighter or not carry as much weight, and, and others were considered to be weightier. And so the teacher's not asking which laws need to be obeyed and which can be ignored. He's asking this question, and um, uh, David McFarlane notes this in his commentary on Mark. Um, what is the fundamental premise of the law on which all the individual commands depend? That's a different question. He's asking a foundational question, right? Of all the commandments, of all the rabbinic traditions, uh, words that we have, what is the fundamental piece of it all? What's the fundamental command of it all? And so Jesus gives the Shema, that, that daily confession um, that the Jews knew and shared. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. 
Um, and uh, that we're, we're to love the Lord our God with our heart, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But one, we can't love God in isolation of others. And so Jesus couples that that command with the command to love uh, your neighbor. And so um, now I want to I want to talk about this just briefly because uh, what I really want to do is is preach um, this, but uh, but I just want to talk about it briefly. So. Uh, the the big question is what does what is love and there are so many different definitions of love uh, that people have used and people have shared. Um, the one that um, takes it out of the abstract for me and puts it into something very real. I heard Dallas Willard say a few years ago in a in a speech he was given giving um i wasn't at the speech i was just listening to it um later but willard says look i've i've studied the scriptures front and back i've read the theology i've i've read the commentaries i've looked at it all and him being a, a philosophy professor and having a strong philosophical background having other avenues through which to, to examine and, and encounter the idea of love. Willard says that love is doing what's best for the other. Let me say that again. Love is doing what's best for the other. And so I've preached this passage um, this way. And I offer it as a suggestion to you um, in case you want to do it. But but if you take this text that Jesus um, gives him, if you take these commandments that Jesus gives him and, and, and insert doing what's best for the other instead of love, you get something like this. And you shall do what's best for the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is this. You shall do what's best for your neighbor as you do what's best for yourself. Now, the the last two we kind of get. We know we have in our minds what, it's, what's, what it means to do what's best for a person to do what's best for our neighbor, to do what's best for ourselves, Even though we don't always um, follow it, we, we, we have this concept of doing what's best for. But have you ever thought about doing what's best for God? We talk about doing our best for God. But what does it look like to do the best thing for God? And so one of the things that you could examine is that question. How can I do what's best for God? And as um, when I, I preach this, one of the things that I ask is, what does it look like if every morning we got up and asked that question, God, what, what can I do today that would be the best thing I could do for you today? The other thing that, that you could do is 
you could go over to the Sermon on the Mount and you could read some of that. Um, you know, what, what Jesus says in that passage is, is, is really, I mean, you can pull things out about what's doing what's best for God. And all of this, you know, this whole doing what's best for concept, all of that implies or requires relationship. You can't know what to do the best thing for the other person. You can't know what you can't know how to do what's best for you if you don't know yourself. So there's an an, an aspect of self-awareness and a healthy understanding of who you are and having a healthy relationship with yourself. The you, you can't you can't understand what it means to do the best for your neighbor if you don't know who your neighbor is if you don't know your neighbor so it implies relationship and the same with god you don't know what it means to do what you, you can't really do what's best for god if you aren't in that relationship with god if you not are, are not in a um a healthy relationship with god where you're where you're having that that time of prayer and having that time of discussion and so that really is uh, an avenue through which you can can talk about this passage. That it is it is a relational understanding of doing what's best for the other. And when we do that, when we do what's best for God, when we do what's best for ourselves, when we do what's best for the other, then the world begins to look different. The world around us begins to work to look different. And the way you could um, also approach this. Um, is um, so uh, Nancy Duarte is a, is a communication author. She, she wrote a book a few years ago called um, Resonate, and I really would encourage you to, to, to check it out. She did a study of the greatest speeches in American history and found a pattern of the, uh, in those that made them memorable and what we would, what we would deem as great. She looked at uh, the Gettysburg Address, and she looked at Martin Luther King's "I Have a Dream" speech, and several others. And then she also put that that uh, that pattern up against um, sermons, and including uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, those kinds of things. She's a she's a Christ follower, and uh, so when when she did that what she found was this that those great speeches those great communication communications which is what they really are their communi- the communication process or pattern is is to is is this back and forth between this is what is and this is what could be this is these are speeches, these are communications, these are sermons, these are things that moved people to action. These are not just words. They're things that moved people to action and they become very memorable in people's minds. And it's and it's this back and forth process of what is and what could be, what is and what could be, what is and what could be. And so it's setting reality and then also setting a pattern, a, an idea for what it looks like uh, for the future. And so the question, so the way you could apply this, the way I have preached this and really like to preach this is this. This is what reality is. This is the way our world works. This is the way our world looks. We've got people who, uh, we've got people on the left and extremists on the left, extremists on the right, 
um, calling for each other's heads. We've got people shooting um, Holocaust survivors in a Jewish temple. It's in a Jewish synagogue in, in Pittsburgh. We've got we've got people shooting, um, going in and, and shooting people up in Louisville, Kentucky. We've got we've got all of of this brokenness in our lives and in our world. We've got politics that are, are run amok. We have sex, the sex trade. We have we have poverty. We have we have so many things that are indicative of a broken world. So, what does it look like if every morning Christians got up and asked this one question and then did it? God, what is the best thing I can do for you today? And they also ask the second question, God, what is the best thing I can do for my neighbor? When I meet the people, when I, when I meet people at work today, when I meet people on the road, when I meet people in a restaurant, when I meet people at school, when I meet the people that I'm going to meet today, what, are, what is the best thing I can do for them? What, can, what is the best thing I can do for them? And then also to, to ask God, and this seems odd, but we, we, we need to do it because we need to be healthy and self-aware ourselves. God, what is the best thing I can do for myself today? Is the best thing I can do for myself today to eat well and to exercise? Is the best thing I can do for myself today to have time with you? Or is it all of the above? Is it um, to get away for 30 minutes at lunch and instead of um, engaging in social media, maybe I just take a nap or I rest or I go for a walk? Those kinds of things. Do I feed my mind? Do I... Uh, and with healthy ways, what's the best thing that I can do for myself today? Because if you don't know yourself, you don't act out of, uh, you act out of your, your identity. And if you don't understand who you are and how you act and why you act, then you're just going to, you're going to be blown by the wind. And so that's a way for you to preach that, to, to talk about what is love and define love in the context of, uh, in the way Dallas Willard did it, and then to go move this back and forth. What does it look like if I do what's best for God? This is what really is. This is the way the world works. This is what's going on in God's, in, in God, in, in, in man's kingdom. And this is what it would look like if God's kingdom was here on earth was fully in place. Here's what it looks like. Here's what what my neighbors are going through. There's divorce, there's brokenness, there's pain. There's people in prison, there's people addicted to drugs, there are people addicted to so many things. What does it look like if I did what was best for them? And then here's the reality of who I am. This is what I am. And this is what it looks like if I do what's best for me today. This is the plan. If I continue to do what's best for me, this is what it looks like. And when you do that, when you compare and contrast what is and what is, what could be, then you get people who are motivated to change, and you get a world that that can be motivated to change. I, when I, I preach this, I preach this uh, text a couple of times, and um, one time when I preached it, I got a call or I got an email from. Uh, I was preaching it at, a, at a, another church, and the pastor emailed me and said, hey, listen, I just want you to thank you so much for that. He's, one of the things I mentioned was, what would it look like 
if all the churches in in the county in which I was preaching, what what would it look like if all those churches took their green space and turned them into gardens to feed the homeless or to feed people who were poor? And so the pastor sent me an email or texted me or called me. I don't I don't remember which. It's been a few years ago, and he said, um, he said thanks so much for this. Just so you know, we're writing a grant today to get the funds to be able to turn our green space into gardens. And you know what? They did it. And for, for, and and I'm assuming they're still doing this. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent certain, but, um, for a couple of, of years of seasons, they planted, they planted huge gardens and they gave that food away to people who needed it. I mean, so this back and forth is a, is a good way to, to preach this text. Now, what what I, I like about this text um, and what I think is important uh, in, in some ways about this text is that the, the teacher, the scribe, said, you know what? You're right. You've truly said that he is the one and besides him there is no other. In other words, you are orthodox in that regard and to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding with all your strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself that's much more important than all the burnt offerings that we could give and and he's 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 taking some um some passages he's noting that that is a reality within the the concept of the old testament and and this is the beautiful part that I think uh of this passage in verse 34 when Jesus saw that he answered wisely he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to ask him. And after that, no one dared to ask him a question. So he, he, he gives a high five to this scribe. He lets the scribe know that you're not far from the kingdom. He doesn't have far to go. And that you have to do more than simply approve of the message. This is policy, it's political season, and I hate this season because of all the commercials that are on TV and all of the people who, all the politicians who get up and, you know, do their spiel and attack the other person. And at the end say, my name is blah, 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 and I approve this message. You have to do more than simply approve of the message of Jesus. You've got to submit entirely to his authority and his person. And so the question that we don't necessarily have answered in this text is, does the scribe do that? But the scribe was close. And we applaud that. And we celebrate that. And so I hope this text, um, talking about this in this way, gives you some ideas to preach the text this week. Um, This is one of my favorite texts uh, because of its ability to to be able to project in the future, this what is this is what it looks like when the kingdom of God is at hand, when the kingdom of God is here, and you can certainly preach it that way. I hope you have a, a great Sunday and that your your sermons are spirit filled and spirit led, and that God blesses you and honors your work. Be blessed and have a great week.